This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. And uh, usually Mondays are reserved for EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. But listen, it's the holidays. We're lucky to have him anytime we can grab him. And it happens to be on Wednesday. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to be joining you again. Uh, It's been a few extra days, but... uh... I mean, this is a weird, always a strange time of year when these, like, week 10 days before Christmas, because you know the break is coming and teams are squeezing in, like, you know, three games in four days and four right. games in six days. And it's it's a time that, you know, you could really do yourself a real benefit by by kicking off a couple of wins, you know, as in this stretch, or a time that you can hurt your chances uh, by having a, a rough patch as, uh, as you head into the break. So... Um, it's been a crazy year, Don. I don't know how you guys feel. I just feel like it's just been an odd year with all kinds of kind of different stories and just a reminder of how close this league is on a night-to-night basis. See, that's the thing, because you can sit there. I, I, we were talking about it with Anthony back on Monday. You can look at any team, like the, all right, the, the best teams in the yeah. NHL, right? Rangers, well, they had lost three of four, and there's been a couple of times where mm-hmm. they've lost games you left scratching your head. Mm-hmm. Vegas like that, too. Boston's kind of going through a little bit of a lull right now. Um, all of a sudden, Anaheim looks like they're dead in the water, win a couple of games in a row. Edmonton looks like they figured out winning seven in a row and then followed up with three straight losses. Like it's, I just think yeah. that that's yeah, just I, when you've got everybody kind of gravitating towards the mean. Um, yeah, you've got your clear-cut favorites and teams that are pretty much out of it, but any given night, EJ, any given night, you know, anything can happen, and I think that's what makes the yeah. sport so special. Yeah, I mean, look at the... Just as the Metro, I mean, the fact that the Flyers are second and the Islanders are third, and the Islanders have blown a bunch of leads yeah. earlier in the year. I mean, if you think about just some of those games that the Islanders could have easily won or gotten points in, I mean, they could be right behind the Rangers. I mean, so it's just kind of crazy. In Philadelphia, I mean, it's a rebuilding situation, and they're going to be looking to trade some guys off at the deadline. Yet here they are. They just found a, find ways to win. Uh, they've on a nice long stretch here of uh, getting points in, in consecutive games, and they go in and, and get an overtime win over the Devils. And, yeah, it's just hard to figure. It's just really hard to figure this year. Yeah, well, one team that decided it was time to make a change, EJ, was somebody who a lot of people thought had a chance to make the playoffs this year in the Ottawa Senators. They fired DJ Smith, and they did not keep with the streak of uh, a little boost. You thought they would. They were up 3 nothing on the Coyotes, and the Coyotes come roaring back four unanswered. Um, what is going on with that team? Like, uh, I'm not saying the coaching change didn't help, but we'll see. It's only been one yeah. game. Uh, but it didn't have the yeah. desired effect right away. Well, it had the desired effect for 20 minutes, right? I mean, they had a 3-0 lead, and <clears throat> that is, oddly enough, it's been the case with the Senators in this road trip. They had the lead, I think, in almost every game. They got a 2 nothing lead in Dallas for that game. They had some leads in other places along the way, and uh, – it just has. It just hasn't been a good first. You know, they've only played 27 games. I think they've played the fewest games in the NHL. So it just hasn't been a good start. I think you know to answer your question. I just think there's just confusion everywhere you turn. They have uh, you know a new owner has come in. Um, they they wanted to keep the manager in place. There was a the uh, kind of aftermath two years later of this whole Zdanov trade scenario where the the senators were were penalized for that and lost a a first round draft pick and subsequently the general manager was uh was let go pierre dorian and 
Steve Stales is kind of running things, and that's what everybody expected when they talked about uh, Anlauer coming in and owning the team, that his Stales was this guy, and eventually eventually they were going to bring their people in. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, if I buy a business, I mean, I'm going to bring in people that I trust. I mean, just as I'm sure you guys would probably do the same. So DJ Smith, it was a real struggle. They were trying to stay with him because they wanted to try to have some form of stability within their group because there has been a lot of change. But the reality is that he was most likely not going to be back anyway. And the players, while they can't, you know, they can't talk about that. They could be asked about DJ Smith in interviews and they're just going to support him because that's what the players do. But the players know the change is coming and they're kind of waiting. And eventually when that's the case, you have to do it. So they make the move. Jacques Martin's an experienced guy. I think they got a lot of talent in that room. But boy, oh boy, they are in a huge hole right now, and uh, they probably waited too long to do this. And, um, you know, I don't know how they get out of it at this point because they're pretty far down. I mean, they're, they're 13 points behind the last place playoff team, which is Tampa right now. Yeah. Now they have six games in hand, but, like, you got to win them. And if they win all of them, that's six games, that's 12 points. That's still a point short of Tampa, and they're not going to win all of them. So they're in a big hole. I, I just think they've got to kind of, you know, get to the break, try to get to this break, and uh, and kind of regroup. You know, the Devils are trying to figure it out, and you know, they might be in a little bit of trouble here because there's other teams now might be looking for a goaltender like Carolina in the division. Uh, but I've been thinking about this, EJ. They might need a defenseman. Is Dougie Hamilton going to come back this year at all? So you take a look at possible trade partners. Is Calgary willing to part with Markstrom and Hannafin? Is there a fit there between the Devils and the Her- and the Flames if the if New Jersey wanted to get both the the uh, defenseman and a goaltender to try to make a run here? Well, I mean, you're talking about. I know they're going to get cap savings on Dougie Hamilton, right? But he's not a long term deal, so you got to think even if you do something for this year, if those contracts extend, like in Noah Hannafin, you're likely, if you're trading for him, I would think you're looking to, you're looking to, uh, to renew him. Um, so that's going to be costly. And, uh, you know, they've got other young guys they've got to think about moving forward that they're going to have to renew. So it's, it gets into a pretty significant cap calculation. Um, I think Calgary is in a an interesting place. I mean, they moved... Dorov to Calgary, I mean, to Vancouver for kind of really peanuts. When you think about a big, strong left shot defenseman, it's really helping a division rival. But, um, you know, I think that maybe they're still entertaining the, the thought of keeping Hannafin there. I think that's going to be up to him if he wants to stay in Calgary, too. That's another factor. They were close, from what I understand, to an agreement, uh, you know, in the early part of the season, but then things started bad for Calgary and everybody wanted to take a step back. You know, as for Markstrom, I mean, yeah, that'll be a, you know, he's a credible guy. I mean, he didn't play, he didn't, wasn't great last year. He's been better this year. Two years ago, he was terrific. Um, I think the Devils could, that would be a, a pretty significant upgrade for the Devils. But again, I mean, what do you have to give up? I mean, Markstrom's got time left on his contract. I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check on that. But like, what do you have to give up to get him? So, and what does Calgary want? So that would all that would all play into it. So, I mean, I, I do think the Devils need to figure out an upgrade in net. Gibson, I guess people have talked about John Gibson, maybe Markstrom. There's guys out there, but it's not an easy move to make. And you're right; other teams are now kind of sniffing around that market as well. 
Yeah, two more years on the Markstrom deal. He's a free agent in 2026. Yeah. Uh, somebody else who's been disappointing for this Devils team, EJ, is Timo Meyer. He hasn't had a point since yeah. November. Obviously, he was hurt a little bit in between there, but he's played games from December on. All of December, he has not had a point. Uh, and this is a guy who everybody thought was going to be the the second to Jack Hughes and or the third to Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Um and he has just not produced. And uh, for what he what he cost them and and to be able to make that trade for him, um, he's going to be have to be somebody that contributes on a night in night out basis, especially if this team's defense and goaltending struggles the way it has. Boy, it has been a real struggle for Team Meyer. There is no question about it. And uh, I would think that. He's probably squeezing it a little tight right now. I think we've seen this before when guys come in and first year in an organization. I mean, he came in at the end of last year, um, and now he signs the contract and is on a, a longer-term deal. Um, I think the only thing the Devils could really do is just continue to work with him, and hopefully he figures it out and, and, and gets to a higher comfort level. But you're absolutely right, Anthony. I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, five goals, 11 points. I mean, I'm not – it's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to plus-minus, but when you have a significant number like minus 17 through yeah. 23 games, when no one else is really close to that on your roster. Now, this is a team that has a lot of minus players because they get, they've gotten a lot of offense through, through their power play. But I mean, that's a big number. So I'm sure it's weighing on Timu's mind, and uh, you know, like, I guess the like I said, the only thing you can really do is just keep running them out there. I mean, I'm not a big proponent of you know, putting these guys in the press box or putting them on the fourth line. I just think you have to find a way to make it work and figure out what the problems are. I mean, is he, is he healthy? Is he in shape? I mean, these are the issues. And this guy has proven in the past to be a, a really good player and a consistent player, and it's just not happening right now. So it's uh, it's got to be a huge disappointment for, for Tommy Fitzgerald and that group. But, yeah. uh, you know, like they're locked in. I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, I don't think they're moving – a player on that kind of deal. No, he's not going really anywhere. Underperforming, right, to this level. So you got to find a way to make it work. Yeah, but their problems really aren't offensively. It's and even though you want to get something yeah. out of him, it's just that they. It just the games yeah. are just too crazy. They're too wild. And um, then you see Hughes just trying to do too much last night and coughs the puck up on the game-winning goal by Tippett and. You know, just uh, just a mess there. Although they did pretty well out west, and, and I still think there's talent there, and there's still enough time for them to be able to figure it out. You look at the Islanders, right? We're, we're talking about is Lane yeah. Lambert going to be out? And now all of a sudden they're starting to protect uh, leads at least a little better. And, and now they've uh, they played like one of the best teams in the NHL. Still a minus goal differential, but they had a long way to go. And as you said, if they just kind of figured out a way to hold on to some of these leads, they're they're probably right there with the Rangers at the top of the division. Yeah, well, I mean, the good news for the Islanders, we just talked about Timo Meyer not, you know, he's underperforming, right? The good news for the Islanders is their top players are, are, are performing and maybe overperforming. I mean, Noah Dobson is someone that I think you got to start thinking about him as someone that at least is a contender to be in the Norris Trophy race. I mean, the kind of year he's had, he's, he's, you know, we talk about plus minus, right? I mean, on a team that doesn't have too many huge plus players, he's a plus 17. And he's 33 points in 31 games, more than a point a game, and he's been dynamic on the power play. And, you know, their power play right now, last year, I mean, their power play was dreadful, Don. I mean, it was absolutely dreadful. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember the end of the season, but it was painful to watch. And this year, since I believe since the middle of November, they have the best power play in the NHL. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Again, it, it goes into what I said at the start. It's just been an odd year with a lot of things that you didn't expect to have happen are happening. And 
You know, Barzell is leading them in scoring. He's tied with Dobson. Uh, Horvat has been playing really well. He's got 13 goals, 31 points. I mean, you know, he's pretty, you look at their list of guys, the right guys are producing for them. And, you know, that's been a big help. And then a kid like Simon Holmstrom has come in and got 10 goals for 30 games, but he's got a number of sh- five shorthanded goals. He had another one last night. So, yeah. I mean, they're getting production from different places. Their goalies have been really good because they haven't defended all that well. They give up all kinds of good opportunities in the game. This is definitely not the Barry Trotz Islanders, but yet here they are. I mean, they're right there near the top of the Metropolitan Division. So I don't know how sustainable it is, but right now they're finding ways to win on a pretty much nightly basis. Speaking of Islanders, a former Islander uh, put himself in the news last night. I know that the, the Chicago Blackhawks aren't going to lose every game that they play. But the Blackhawks yeah. beat the Avalanche 3-2, and Devon Taze, the former Islander, uh, after the game, had some choice words for his teammates, um, saying something yeah, to the effect of, I, I think we, if, if we've, we got some guys who think they're playing well and they're kidding themselves at this point. This coming right after, I think, a week ago that Mika Rantanen called out a, a, a teammate's dad for saying that he didn't train well in the offseason. For a team that's got 40 points yeah. and a second in the Central, there's a lot going on in Colorado, and I think they know that uh, this is they, they probably have a higher standard in Colorado with how they've played uh, over the last couple of years, but 4-5-1 and one in their last 10, it seems like things are not going well uh, out in Colorado. Yeah, you know what? They've added some pieces to their team this year, and I think you hit on an Anthony when you said, you know, the standard. I think the guys that have been there, the McKinnons and the Rantmans and the McCars, and he's been out for some games now, so that's a negative for them whenever you miss a, a key player like that. But some of the guys that have been there, including Devontae's that won the Stanley Cup, like they have a high standard. They understand what it what it means, you know, in their minds to pull that sweater over their head and play for the Colorado Avalanche on a night-to-night basis. And I think that, you know, I wonder – you know, you start wondering, who's he talking about, right? Like, who are the players? And, mm-hmm. like, you know, one guy that comes to mind is is Ryan Johansson because he's someone that, you know, during his career, people have felt like, you know, it was Ryan Johansson working hard enough on a night-to-night basis. And, like, he's a big, strong guy. He was a high draft pick. And really, people have, for the most part during his career, he's left people wanting more. Now, whether that's fair or not, it's hard to say because some guys look like they're playing harder than others. He's been at times, he's been a really helpful player, but you wonder, is he part of that group? Are there other players that they've brought in from the outside the Jonathan Bruins and some of these other guys? I mean, who is he talking about there? So that's the first thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, uh, it's quite a statement. I mean, I saw it, I circled it last night. I immediately <laughs> retweeted it because I was like, wow. Like and you and you make a great point. I mean, only it was only like a week ten days ago when Rantanen was making those comments about. I think it was Lekkinen's dad, who I you know I know who I know him from being in the media for many years, and you know that was kind of interesting that he would be so outspoken about something like that. But uh, it's it's really interesting. There's obviously something brewing in that room in Colorado right now that's not good. So it's something worth keeping an eye on. They're still right near the top of their division, so yeah. it's not at the top. I think they are. So, I mean, it, and they're missing McCarr for the last couple of games. Uh, Nachushkin has been off the charts hot lately. He had a couple more last night. But uh, I guess, you know, it's just a hard it's just a hard league to win every night. And I just saw Chicago the other day. They lost to Vancouver. I called that game on Sunday afternoon. Like, they came out and played really well. Vancouver, I don't think, had any even string shots in the first period. And this is a team that's really decimated on the blue line with injuries. But they're, you know, these teams, are, I mean, like I said, if you're not ready to play on a night-to-night basis, you're not going to win. Oh, yeah. I don't care who you're playing. 
Yeah, we talked about it before. I mean, the Rangers have, what, seven regulation losses, and, and, and you throw in the Minnesota shootout, I mean, most of their losses have come to teams that are probably not going to make the playoffs. You know, losses to Columbus and Buffalo, you're left, like, kind of scratching your head on why they lose those yeah. games, and, and yet here they are, you know, four games against Toronto and Boston, and they win three of them. So, yeah, it, yeah. I think that I, there are certain teams that just know they're making the playoffs. and. Yeah. And I think there's going to be certain nights where, let's face it, on a Tuesday against Chicago, you're probably not going to be ratcheting it up the way you would if you were playing Dallas. Dallas the same thing. I mean, yeah. Dallas will win a game 6-1, yeah. then the next night they'll lose 6-1. Like, yep. You know, yeah. Ottinger's a bit of a exactly problem. Right. And, you know, so there's certain issues with these teams, but I just think they all know they're making the playoffs. Um, you want home ice advantage. They probably know they're going to get that. So um, you just don't want it to become a bad habit. I was thinking about this last night, EJ, you know, doing the uh, pre and post for the the Ranger game, and I, I do the out-of-town scoreboard, and it's like watching goal after goal after goal by Columbus and Buffalo, and i just like, will it ever get better for the same? Will it ever get better? I mean, uh, they're starting to get healthy now. You know, Thompson's back, but it's not even offense. How do you le- How do you give up nine goals to Columbus at home? I mean, they're a nice offensive team. Um Marchenkov is not a bad player, gets a hat trick, but come on. Natural hat trick. Forget hat trick. Nine goals yeah. in your own building. I mean, it, they've changed coaches and general managers and they've made trades. It's just, it just never gets any yeah. better in Buffalo. It, it's amazing. And, like, I mean, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, I'm working last night, you know, during that game as it starts, and Buffalo scores in the first 25 seconds of the game. And, right. you know, we break it down, and I do a telestration of just how bad Columbus was in that first shift to make a point of, like, you know, hey, you're the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, you come in here, every game should be, like, the stand, seven, game seven. Like, you should come with that kind of effort in every game. And the same should be said for a lot of these games this week. They haven't done anything. The Buffalo Sabres haven't made the playoffs in God knows how long. Carol, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I mean, it's been a mess there. Like so, there should always be urgency and effort. But to give Columbus credit, after that they they kind of they got they 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 bounced back. They played really well, and Buffalo got caught up in kind of maybe thinking it was going to be an easy night after scoring in the first thirty seconds. So, you know, for the Buffalo Sabers, I do wonder. I mean, I love Donnie Granado and the Granado family. They're great people. Tony Granado, you know, he's going through a battle with cancer now. He's right. a colleague of ours at, at, at NHL Network, and we're fully supportive of him. And, you know, I, I hate ever bringing up these, you know, I know I hate to advocate for people to end up losing their jobs, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody's trying hard. Donnie has done a fabulous job with getting Buffalo from a point where it was literally a house on fire, you know, when Ralph Kruger was there at the end to where they, they've come over the last couple of years. But I think they probably need someone now. They've moved from that stage where the house is burning to the ground to, like, they have some good personnel there. They have some really talented young players. I don't think they defend very well. I think they've put their goaltenders in a really bad situation. I mean, these are young, inexperienced guys, and they've put them in a situation to be there behind a very uh, a team that does not defend well. So for me, I think, you know, maybe it's time for another a coaching change to bring someone in with a little more gravitas, a little somebody that's maybe had success who was one that could get that structure and discipline and that game-to-game play that the Buffalo, like that next step that they need. And the same thing can be said for the Ottawa Senators. I mean, those, you know, when I look at Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo, I think we talked about this earlier in the year, guys, like, I thought it was Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit in that order based on the talent. Well, 
It's Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa now. And the real reason to me is just the stability within the organization. There's a lot of stability in Detroit. They've got Argerman. they got the Illich family. they got Argerman. Then they got Lalonde. They've brought in some really good assistants. And it's a stable environment. And they've brought in some pros to help. They've brought in some veterans in terms of their goaltending. They've done a lot of things to help fortify that group. In Buffalo and in Ottawa, like, Ottawa, I thought, would bring in Corpus Allo this year would be a help, but they still just are not defending very well. They've had some they've had some injury issues that are problematic. And, you know, in Buffalo, like I said, that was going to be the big problem for me, is that you're bringing in young Devin Levi behind a team that doesn't defend well. What do you expect? And he got sent to the minors. He got called back. but like, And he's played well since he got called back. But, like, I just think it's a lot to ask a young goaltender to really work behind a team that doesn't defend well. So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I guess what I'm saying is I think the Buffalo Sabres need to look at making some kind of change to their to their staff in terms of making that taking that next step into being a team that is hard to play against night after night, that defends really well. And maybe part of that is personnel, because at the end of the day, you know, maybe that personnel just isn't good enough right now or isn't as good as we think it is. I know like in Vancouver their personnel is way better this year. All of a sudden Rick Tockett is a really good coach. When he was in Arizona they had. They didn't have as good a personnel. He wasn't a great coach. I mean, it is tied at the end of the day to the personnel you have. But I just look at Buffalo and they just don't play with. They just don't. They're not hard to play against, and they're not hard to play against in their own zone, as we saw last night when Columbus went into their building and scored nine times. Unfortunately, this podcast has kind of foreseen uh, the firings of almost every coach on the in the NHL <laughs> yeah. this year since it's happened. So uh, unfortunate for. Yeah. Granado. Uh, well, they were they were hard to see, right, Anthony? I mean, like the Ottawa thing, right? Like, yeah. Someone tweeted me and said, "Well, you've been like talking about this for several weeks," and it's like, listen, I don't want to be the Grim Reaper around these guys. I mean, they're like DJ Smith's a really, from all accounts, is a terrific person, and you know he had success up to the point where he got to be coaching in the National Hockey League. I just think it's a hard league, and if you don't have the personnel it's going to be a challenge for you. And he had five years there when the team really wasn't as good, and now the team is better. You know, personnel is better. They should be forming, performing better, as is the case in Buffalo, you know, as is the case in Minnesota. You know, I, you know, Edmonton is a little bit of a different story with all the high expectations and with the high-end players there. But I think we could, we could see these things coming, like you say, Anthony. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I don't know what they're going to do in Buffalo. I really like Donnie Granato. I think he's done a wonderful job of getting that team out of the, the mess they were in to where they are now. But maybe it's just time for someone you know, to come in with a little different approach and, and have this team um, you know, playing to a different level of accountability because they just do not defend well. Well, e- e- there is some good news, EJ, for the Rangers. Uh, they won't have to cut Igor Shesterkin. He's back to playing the way that he was playing. So now Jonathan Quick doesn't have to be the goalie number yeah, one. Quick was going to be the goalie. Back. He was ready. And then, and and now, and everything's yeah. all good in Rangerland again. All of a sudden. Yeah. Well, I you know we talked about him a little bit last week on our shows and. You know, I, I just kept saying the same thing. He's not somebody I worry about. Uh, you know, everybody goes through a little a patch in their game, and like not to say he's not going to have his struggles as the season goes on. But to me, just the eye test over the last couple of years has just been too good. I mean, the guy is just too good a goaltender. And, uh, you know, he's back to playing at the level that people expect him to be at. So really not a surprise. I don't think it was a surprise to you guys either. And it's probably a relief to Jonathan Quick because at the end of the day, it's nice to think, oh, I'll come in and I can be the guy. But, like, I think he's much better suited at this stage than the guy that comes in and plays once every couple mm-hmm. as opposed to the guy who's playing every night.
Now, we talk any given night, and, 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 and things are still very much wide open, but when you see what happened to Pittsburgh, you know, 7 nothing to Toronto, Austin Matthews didn't even play in the game. <laughs> they're just, yeah. they're just I, I know that they're only, what, four or five points out of a playoff spot. I mean, are, are, is Dubas going to double down and, and just try to make it work here with the personnel that he has? Or at what point does he just evaluate and say, we're just not good enough? I mean, this has been going on for a while now, and I just think they're heading in the wrong direction. And we've talked about it. You know, bring back Latang, Malkin, Crosby. You, you go out and you get Carlson. So how will he look? at 2024 as we get into the second half of the season as he evaluates what he has what direction this penguins team going to go well the good news for kyle is that he's got a long contract he's just starting right so that's the really good news um i think he owes it to those veteran players if they stay close to try to help them get to the playoffs and i think that's what ownership would i mean that's been the you know if they were going to go into a rebuild they could have done that in any one of the last couple of years and they've they've kind of stayed with the, their veteran group, and they've tried to add. They added Eric Carlson to the mix. I don't think that's a team where they're going to be throwing their hands up and say, "Well, you know, we can't get there." I mean, just look at the standings. You're right. I mean, they're in the mix. They got three games in hand on Tampa, and they're four games. They're four points back, right? So, um, you know, they're in the mix with a lot of teams, and uh, the teams that are, are are currently in playoff spots right now. I mean, those teams are playing well. You know, the Islanders and the Flyers are in playoff spots right now. They're playing well. They were not teams that we anticipated maybe being there this year. So they're going to have to come out if a team like Pittsburgh is going to go in. Pittsburgh and, and Philly had a couple of games earlier in the year, and Philly were, was able to win both. So um, it's going to be a challenge for the Penguins. I don't really love their team. Their, their right. power play, I think, bottomed out in uh, November into early December. It seems like they got a couple of power play goals recently. They're moving the puck a little quicker. I thought the puck movement was really dreadful uh, i mean it was to me it was the biggest reason they were having they were not having any success on the power play was they just it took forever to move the puck i mean you just you have to move the puck quickly you have to shoot off the pass you have to have one-time opportunities you have to get players to the net they weren't doing any of that uh, it seems like they've, they've fixed a little bit of it but uh you know they're gonna need the power play to be consistently better over these, you know, over the next fifty games, and they're going to have to hope mm-hmm. that Tristan Jari plays well and stays healthy because there's yeah. not, you know, there's not a lot behind Jari, right? I mean, if he were to go down, I don't know, um, you know, where they go from there. So uh, it's going to be a challenge just because these, and then, like you said, any given night, any given night, Buffalo, the teams that are behind them right now, and there are only three of them, are Buffalo, Columbus, and Ottawa, and on any given night. Any of those three teams can beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a real challenge. But I think they're committed to trying to make the playoffs this year with the veteran players they have there. Yeah, I, I just, I guess in closing, EJ, and I guess this is a blanket question for any executive in any sport, what do you have to answer to? Where you are in the standings or what you believe you are as a team? Uh, and, I, and I think if you're a really good executive, you got to see the forest through the trees, right? And can't you can't chase your tail if you don't think you're good enough? You can't like fall in love with oh we're only four points out. We've got three games in hand in Tampa. If you don't think you're good enough, I think that's the instinct you have to follow. Yeah, I mean, Donnie, we've talked about this a long time. I mean, I call it the seven eleven teams, right? Like they're never higher than seventh in the conference. They're never lower than eleventh, and so you know it, they're just on this treadmill to nowhere. And right. there's a lot of them, but I mean, there's thirty two teams in this league, and 
you know, in each individual market, you're trying to sell hope to your fan base. And like, you know, some are, are selling the idea of a complete rebuild. I mean, we've seen that in Chicago, right? We're seeing it in Anaheim. We're seeing it in San Jose. I mean, I think, you know, those are hard things to go through. But at the end of the day, I think all three of those franchises have a chance to be better down the road. I think, you know, in Washington and Pittsburgh, you know, where they've had good teams for a long stretch of time, you know, they're trying to prop a window open as hot, as long as they can because they have legendary players. They're part of their iconic guys that are part of their team still. Right. And so that's well. a difficult call. I think that, that uh, you know, in Washington, they've tried to kind of play both sides of it, right? They sold off some guys last year. They've tried to move in some young guys this year. They've tried to kind of retool on the fly, which is a difficult thing. I give Spencer Carberry a world of credit because – They've actually played very well this year. They're outside the playoff picture as we speak, but they've got games in hand. I mean, they got five games in hand on Tampa, and they're only a point behind them. So they've played very well uh, under the circumstances. But you're right, Don. I think at the end of the day, I always say, and I've been saying this when we've talked going all the way back 15 years, doing the old shows that we did, is that you come in, you have to have an identity. Who are we as a team? What do we want to be? Do we want to be a speed team? Do we want to be a skill team? Do we want to be tough to play against? What do we want to be? bring in people and players that fit that mode and, uh, you know, move forward in that regard. But, you know, that's from the outside, right? From in those, in, in those individual markets, you're trying to sell tickets. You have a business to run. It can be extremely tough in a league yeah. where you can always buy. You can always sell yourself on the idea that you're not that far away, even though you might be further than you think. VJ, for Anthony and myself, just have a wonderful holiday. I, I mean it. Enjoy Me it. I know you got a lot Me going too. on with the World Juniors. You got games coming up on the NHL yeah. Network. With the, he's uh, a very busy man. Yeah, Bob. But listen, I, I I'm so it's happy. It's gonna be a busy for, holiday season. You know, it's the only thing that stinks about being busy. Is the only thing worse is not being busy, and you're going to be able to do That's it. That's correct. You are you're 100 percent correct <laughs> about that, and uh, I'm excited about doing the World Juniors. I mean, it's. Uh, I covered the World Juniors for ESPN back in 1998-99 uh, when I was working for ESPN Magazine. I was there in Winnipeg for two weeks. I watched some young players that nobody ever heard of, like Roberto Luongo and the Sedin Twins and Marion Gabrick and Scott Gomez and Brian Gianta and a whole list of guys and really fell in love with that tournament. And over time, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of become something that people in the U.S., hockey fans in the u.s come to enjoy every year yeah. it's obviously a big event in canada and so it's really a, it's an honor for me it's the second time i've gotten to call team usa's games the first time however was in that makeup window in august of uh, i guess it was about 18 months ago mm -hmm. this time it'll be in that normal christmas setting and uh awesome. it's really exciting for me to have that opportunity all right dj enjoy the holiday man we'll talk to you in the new year see you Jack. all right Happy holidays to you guys. Have a great Christmas, New Year, and happy holidays to all the listeners out yep. there. Really appreciate all of you. And to your family, too, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right. That is the great, and I mean the great, EJ Raddick. So he's got the showcase games on the NHL side. He's got the World Juniors coming up. So uh, we're not going to get a chance to talk to him until after the New Year. So wanted to express um, our uh, greetings and cheer and good cheer to uh, our good friend, EJ Raddick. Beautifully said. Three games tonight, Red Wings and the Jets from Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg trying to come back after a loss to the Habs. Uh, Islanders-Capitals, interesting game here. You just heard EJ say the Capitals have games in hand. Islanders second to back-to-backs. 
played last night at home, beat the Edmonton Oilers 3-1, now trying to beat a Washington team. I guess the good news for Ovechkin, Anthony, is he's got five goals. Two of them have been against the Islanders, so maybe this is where he finally lights the lamp. I think for the first time in, what, like a dozen games, it's the longest streak of his career. So we'll see if he can light the lamp tonight. I think our good friend Arta O'Cal pointed this out. He was talking with Greg Wyshynski, and they deduced that because of the 2003 lockout and the most recent lockout, if Ovechkin does not catch Gretzky, that's probably why. Because if he kept the pace that he did in those two years in between, in the lockout in 03 and the most recent lockout, he probably would already be at probably already be at Gretzky's goal total, if not surpassed it. So, yeah, people, lockouts people really hurt him. See, he came into the league the same time as Sidney, but people don't realize that he was drafted in 04. There was no 04-05 season. So, his whole rookie year, gone. So, uh, how many goals would he have scored in his rookie year? I would say modestly at least 20. All right? I would have won 30, but yeah, I mean, it so, was, right, was younger, But even so. if you wanted to just be conservative and say 20, uh, then you've got the lockout of 2012-2013, 48-game season. So so there is... What, COVID, too. Knocked and, out and a couple COVID, games. And COVID, a 56-game season uh, when they were supposed to be 82, plus whatever happened to be lost in that, that year in which they had to suspend the season. So, yeah, he, he has lost, I would think, at, at least... 100 goals, right? I mean, think about it. Because now by the time you got to the lockout of of 12-13, he was already an established player that was scoring 50-60 goals. So he probably lost a good 25, at least 25 there. If you wanted to say 30 in his rookie season, well, there's 55. Um, And then in the 56-game schedule, so there's another, you know, so you probably figure there's at least another dozen there. So that puts us in the 70s. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So 100 might have been a little bit much, but, you know, you probably lost about 75 goals at least because of that. Crazy to think about. And I still think there's more goals to come. He's he's not going to sit there and finish with 20, all right? He's, he's on pace for 20. He's not going to he's going to get more than that. So maybe tonight's where it happens and then the Kraken and the Kings in L.A. Not the surefire so. thing you think of because the Kings are 5-5-3 five, five and three at home. Yeah, and 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 give uh, you know. So you look at you look at Seattle, and it's not been a great season for them by any stretch of the imagination. But you know they only sit five points out of a playoff spot. When you take a look at the nine OT, uh, I, I say losses. The nine OT points, Don. You turn four of those games into wins. You're at thirty three yeah. points. You're only a, a point behind the Coyotes. Now the thing that kills them is they played thirty three games. Uh, only with uh, only Tampa's played as many as them. So the, the team they're chasing after has got two games in hand. But you know, still you look at them as being just an easy out. Um, not necessarily the case. Although the min- nine, minus nineteen goal differential is pretty heinous. So. It's not what you want. All right. So here's what we're gonna do on we gonna Friday. Do? We're gonna return. Okay. We'll have our top five. I'll be week. here. And uh, and we'll probably say goodbye on Friday. Oh my! Because well, I'm going to be off the following week. Oh, that's got what you the mean. holidays, and of course, the NHL is going to shut down after the 23rd for a few days. No games, uh, 24th, 25th, or 26th. So, why don't we, uh, we'll 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 have a nice going away end of the unofficial first half of the season on Friday. We'll have our top five. We'll hear from you at, at Don Lagreca and at Anthony Pusick hashtag Game Misconduct and. Um, We'll call it the uh, the 23 portion of the season over, and then we'll reconvene uh, probably some probably January 2nd. So we have one more podcast before then. So what do you say? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll talk to you again then. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. 
This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. 